The Lord really is beautiful, isn't he? People have so many um, mixed up and screwed up and dysfunctional ideas about God. And you can understand where they get them. They project unto God all of their wounds and their fears, and that's understandable. But to see God, to understand who God is, is to love him. You can't see the beauty of Jesus Christ and his love for us and what he's done for us and what he can do in a life. You can't see that beauty and walk away from it. It's, irre it's, it's just irresistible. It, 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 it tugs at your heart. He wins your love by showing you his beauty. Last service, just some of the stuff God did up here was just beautiful. The way the Lord, and to me there's just nothing more rewarding in life than to be able to have a part of that. Uh, a lady accepted the Lord, at least one person accepted the Lord as her Savior. And, and to see God just communicate to her to cut through a, a world of pain, and to cut through a world of shame, and, uh, and, and, and get the message across about who she really is and what God thinks about her. It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This morning we're speaking on quality time as we conclude our uh, series on, on home improvement and talking about our relationships and the intersection that can be made between our faith and, and our relationships. And the, the passage that we're taking to preach from this morning is in your uh, bulletin. Um, from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which says in essence that there is under heaven a time for everything. A time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to work, a time to rest, a time to hold on, and a time to let go, a time to gather stones, a time to throw stones away, a time for war, a time for peace. Under heaven there's a time for all things. And let's just pray. Lord, I pray that you would take the words that, that I'm going to say now and uh, energize them with your spirit. Um, because what needs to happen here, Lord, I'm incapable of causing to happen. Um, human words aren't big enough to communicate the message of your love to us. And even if they were big enough, Lord, they're not powerful enough to knock down the many obstacles that the world has put in our hearts to receiving that. And I just know, Lord, that there are, are, are many here this morning who really need... It's not a matter of want, it's a matter of need, Lord. A need to hear the truth this morning. And I pray, God, that you'd use the words, energize them with your spirit, and gently worm your way into their hearts to let them know how much you love them. We ask this in your name. Amen. There's a time for everything, the passage says. The problem that we have, it seems, is that there's not time for everything. There's not time for some of the most important things. There's a study that was done, I read, um, about a year ago now, um, that showed that the average American's leisure time had been cut in half since 1970. Between 1970 and 1990, the amount of time that people had that they could call their own was cut in half. And that the average American now had a an hour and 40 minutes per day that they could call their own that wasn't taken up by something else. And I thought that was pretty generous. I, I, you know, I, if I had an hour and 40 minutes a day, I, I, you know, that'd be a breakthrough. But things are so rushed, they're so crammed. The pace is so fast. You've seen that commercial. Most of you, I think, have seen it. Uh, I think it's uh, a U.S. West uh, telephone commercial. You know what I'm talking about? Where they have like a, a fast food chain and uh, people are trying to buy time, 
And then they had all these people coming up there with these stressed out looks on their faces, you know, can I buy a minute, please? And, and they're selling time. I was trying to think of some of the slogans, but I can't remember them. One was that they had this guy who was like a killer. He had a knife and it looked really mean. And uh, the slogan was, you need some time to kill. Yeah, stupid son. All right, my dog died. I don't have time to have a funeral or something like that. And he said, well, you need a doggone minute. Okay. Well, <laughs> hallelujah. Man, anointing. Okay, it's a dumb commercial, I grant that. But it, but it hits a chord with us. Uh, it hits a chord because aren't we like that a lot? I'm not the only one here who gets real stressed out a lot about not enough time to do enough things. Life seems like some kind of a juggling act where you're on a tightrope and, and, and you're trying to balance all the parts of your life and there's so many things to do and so many things that need to get done. And the stress and the strain can really get to be uh, uh, tough. Everything's so fast-paced. You notice in our culture, it seems like we're on a locomotive and it's going faster and faster and faster. And, and nowadays, to sell anything, you've got to be able to say that, you, that, that it's fast. You know, you sell McDonald's by saying how fast they are and Burger King about how fast they are. And calculators have got to be fast. And computer programs have got to be fast. And, and, and UPS and, and Federal Express, they can do it faster and faster. And everything is just so fast. And our brains get acclimated to that. Speed. It's got to be done fast. Just, pretty soon you're kind of just bugging out. It's, it's, it's so high, high speed. It's just it's so many demands. And some of you are like me. You go into sort of a survival mode where your, your nose is just a little bit above water, and even that's not true. Sometimes you're going under, and you're just trying to stay afloat and trying to get it all done, and, and, and it drains on you, and it eats at you. The time commitments that are there. You get up in the morning, and you've got to get the kids breakfast, and you've got to get them dressed, and then you've got to you know, get them out to school, and then you've got to go to work, and, and then, then you've got to you know, file the papers you've got to file and make the phone calls you've got to make and take care of the responsibilities you've got to make and take care of the angry customers you've got to make and carry all the burdens you've got to carry. You do all of that, and you come home nice and fresh for your kids when they get home from school. And then you've got to help them with the homework, and then you've got to take care of their problems and talk about their school day, and then you've got to make them supper. Who's going to make... Do you ever just do this? You just say, everyone for themselves. <laughs> no supper tonight. Find something and eat it. <laughs> I don't know. Check under the table, someone from last night. You know, because there's just no time. Who's got time? You know, we had a thing where, where Danae would come home from school at quarter after five, and then she had to leave again at, at 5.30 to go to gymnastics. We got 15 quality minutes of family eating time together. Well, how, you know, thank God for microwaves. There's nothing that's fast, you know, but even that's not fast enough. When are they going to invent a faster microwave? I want my dinner done before I even think about doing it. But it's... It's just so high stressed out. And then, then you got to go to your meetings and take the kids, the Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, uh, gymnastics, baseball, football, PTA meeting, executive meeting, uh, you know, parents club meeting, whatever. Finally, when you, then you got to get the kids to bed. You know, I talked about that last week, and you know what that sure that is. Finally, you fall into your couch exhausted. You just, uh, uh, uh. And your husband wants to get romantic. It just doesn't work. There's not enough time. The dangerous point, the, the important point for us to be weary of when we think about how fast-paced our lives can be is this. While many things can be rushed, love cannot be rushed. Love is not the kind of thing that, that uh, um, you can just fast-forward. It's not like a fast-food chain. Love is something that takes time. It's got to be a process of osmosis. Now, how did I, I said it wrong last service. Osmosis. Yeah, thank you, osmosis. I was saying osmosis all last service. But it's a time to wear off on one another. You can't just, you can't just nuke a love relationship. Communication takes time. 
in a microwave. It, it, it's, it, it takes time to get inside someone else's skin, to get inside their mind, to learn about them, to, to learn the way they think, to pass on your values to, to another. It takes time. It takes quality time. Not just watching TV together, though that's better than nothing, but time for each other. We are there for one another. Time that isn't rushed, time that's relaxed. You can't just sit down your, your daughter and say, oh, hey, daughter, guess what? I got eight minutes. I got eight, eight, eight free minutes here. Tell me about your life. Get me into your inner world. Let's get in with one another. Let's build a healthy relationship. You know, tell me about your inner day, your inner fears, your inner aspirations. Tell me all about, oh, now we're down to seven minutes. So kind of make it quick, kind of make it short. We got it. Let's get deep with one another. Let's build a quality time. You can't do it like that. It's a guy, it has to just sort of wear on them. It, it, has to, it takes time to do that. And it's the single most important time of our life. Time for each other. Time for love. There's got to be a time for everything. The Bible says that there's got to be a time to work and a time for chores and a time to fix things and a time for grocery shopping. There's got to be all of that, but there's got to be in our life some time that's carved out for one another, some time that's set aside for love, because without time, it doesn't happen. It's the most important time because relationships are built with this time. This is the stuff that love is made out of. This is the stuff that, that characters are formed out of. There's got to be time for that. It's also the most important time because without this, well, time, we, we say more about what our values are with the time we spend than any other way. Uh, when, when, when running was a real high priority, me, priority for me several years ago, I managed to get eight, nine, ten hours a week where I would just run. I managed to find that. I carved it out of my life because that was really important to me. And now it's not a high priority in my life, and I don't have any time for it. And I wonder, how did I ever have time for that? But what's important to us, we find time for. What's not important, we don't have time for. And we speak very loudly about what our values are by where we spend our time. And so it is in our relationships. So it is in our relationships. What we do with our time in relationship to one another says a whole lot more than what we say with our words. It says a whole lot more than, than the presents that we might buy and the money we might spend. It says a whole lot more than our expressed good intentions. The question is, do you invest time in it? Because time is what we are. When we spend time with someone, we're taking something about ourselves. Money isn't me. Money's separate from me. And even my words are, are separate from me. But I only have so much time in my life. And the clock is always ticking. And when I give away some of my time, I'm giving away a piece of myself. And that communicates something to the person I'm doing it with. You're worth this to me. This is how you rate with me. This is how I value you. And that's the most important time we could ever have. Inside the heart of every person is the question, what am I worth? What is my value? Inside the heart of every person is, is the question, am I loved? Which is the question, am I worthwhile? Which is the question, am I worth spending time around? Does anyone care enough to spend time? Because all the words in the presence mean nothing unless someone is willing to invest a piece of themselves in our life, especially with children. Kids are born with this giant question mark. They don't know anything about life. They're just born this way. And, and the question they have is, what is my worth? What am I? Who am I? What is my value? Am I loved? How do I rate? And the way that question is primarily answered in their life is how people spend time with them or don't spend time with them. It's the unanswered question. And when little kids say, you know, look at me. Look at me. The kid, little kids, you notice that they're always doing that. Look at me. Look at me. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. 
What they're really asking for is, am I worth your time? Am I worth your attention? Do I rate with you? How important am I with you? Are you willing to carve something out of your adult world and give it to me? When the, the, the little child says, can you read me a story? Can you read me a story? Can we play hide and seek? Can we play hide and seek? What we're really, they like games. They like hide and seek and they like stories. But what they really are asking is something about you. What am I worth to you? What am I worth to you? How do I rate with you? What is my value before you? Who am I? Am I loved? The way that question is primarily answered is by the question of time. It's the most important time we spend, but it's difficult. It's difficult to keep that priority right. With our, with, with our marriage relationships, it's difficult because it's so easy to take our marriages for granted, isn't it? Our marriages, you know, we wake up with them, we go to bed with them, they're always there, and we, we assume that they'll always be there. But you know, that job opportunity won't always be there, and the money to make won't always be there, and climbing the, the totem pole of success might not always be there, and, and the opportunity to get into a new house at a low interest rate might not always be there. And so it seems like there's a pull on us to invest our time in that kind of stuff rather than into our marriage. The truth is, is that a marriage without time is a dead marriage, or it will quickly become a dead marriage. Or sometimes we avoid time with our spouses because, not because they're stable, but because they're instable. And, and, and there's a lot of conflict in, in our relationship. There's a lot of, uh, there's, it's not very pleasant to be there. But we go to work and, and the people like us. We get strokes at work. We get, uh, you know, kudos at work. People like us at work. They think we have a lot of good achievements at work. And so there's a part of us that would rather be there than spending time in the relationship. And that, that spells the, the death of a marriage when there's no time there. And it's difficult to keep that priority. That's especially true with kids. It's, it's sometimes very difficult in the adult world to find time, to make time, to want to have time for the kid world. The adult world is full of very important stuff, isn't it? Mortgage payments have to be paid. Visa cards have to be paid off. We got groceries to buy. We got a house to fix. We got so much to get. We got this to do and that to do and this responsibility and that responsibility. And that seems like it's so important. And compared to that, the little kid world of Ninja Turtles and Barbie dolls and, and, and seventh grade spats with friends, it seems so unimportant. And so it seems natural that we'd invest time in this important stuff and let all this other stuff kind of go by the wayside. The truth is that that is a lie. Amen. And that priority system is a wrong priority system. Truth is, is that sometimes the time spent, time spent pushing little Johnny on a swing is far more important than your, your CEO executive meeting tonight. Like, truth is that pushing little Johnny on a swing for an afternoon maybe is the most important thing you can do in the world because Johnny's the most important kid in the world. And the only way Johnny ever, is ever going to know that if, is if you vote for him with your time. There's got to be a time for CEO executive meetings, but there's also got to be a time carved out to push Johnny on the swing. Otherwise, Johnny's never going to know how he rates, what his value is. The truth is, is that sometimes fixing Bobby's little robot is, is more important than, than, than working on the sermon for the, for the next Sunday. Because Bobby's the most important kid in the world, and the only way Bobby is, is ever going to know that is if I tell him that with my time. Playing hide-and-go-seek and, and playing with Barbie dolls and going out hunting for frogs or whatever is sometimes the most important thing we could ever do. 
Because you can have all the, the, the business propositions and close all the deals you want and make all the money you want and have all the nice things in the world, but if you lose those kids and if you lose that relationship, what does your life come to? What is it worth? Is that what life's about? It's not. Love, love takes time and finds a way to make time. And that's the, the, the main way it communicates what it's about. Love says, you're into little ninja turtles. I got time for ninja turtles. They're important to you. You're important to me, so they're important to me. And you're into baseball. I got time for baseball. You're into Barbie dolls. I got time for, ba for, for Barbie dolls. You're into, you, you need to talk about your, your, the, the spat you had with your friends at school. I got time for that. And I got time to work with you on the homework. And I got time to, to, to rub off on you and you rub off on me. And sometimes that means putting the adult world and some of the things that we think are so important, it's putting it on the back burner for a while. Because it will be there when you get done. The kids won't always be there. You got one shot to invest in their lives. Do you remember this song? It was written in the 1970s by uh, Harry Chapin. Chapin? You love that song? So do I. Is it Harry Chap Chapin? Chapin. Paul thought it was Cat Stevens, but Paul was wrong. Huh. We voted on that last service, and I won. He talks about how much we lose. How much we lose when we don't carve out the time for relationships. How much we lose. And how much the kids lose. And how sad it is when that happens. He says, my son came into the world the other day. My boy came into the world the other day. Came into the world in the usual way. But there were planes to catch and there were bills to pay. So he learned to walk while I was away. He was talking before you knew it, but as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. Well, the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. The little boy blue and the man in the moon. All the unimportant stuff. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Well, my son turned 10 the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me how to throw? I said, not today. I got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. He turned to walk away, turned to walk away, and he said with a grin, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know I'm going to be like him. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. A boy came home from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, Son, I'm proud of you. Can you stay for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, What I'd really like, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? Cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then. And you know we'll have a good time then. Well, I've long since retired. And my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. I said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. He said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. But my new job's a hassle and the kids have the flu. But it's sure been good talking to you. It's sure good talking to you. As I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. You can have everything else in life. Do all your job stuff, do all the important adult stuff, 
But if we miss that opportunity, we lose profoundly, and kids lose profoundly, and our spouse lose profoundly. We lose because we, we don't see, when we don't take the time, we don't notice the things that you need to notice if life's really going to be worthwhile. You don't notice the cute way your spouse smiles when she's happy about something, or the quirky way your husband grins when he just, you know, fixed something that he didn't think he could fix. And you don't take the time to get in on the, on the, on the, inner, the, the inner recesses of a person's life. I always use illustrations that never apply to me. I, I never smirk like that. Or the cute way he throws a tantrum when he can't fix things. There, you happy? <laughs> we don't notice that kind of stuff. We don't appreciate one another. We don't get on the inside of each other's skin because we don't take the time to do it. And it takes time to do it. And we don't notice the beautiful things that God gives us as the gift of our children and the way they grow and, and the wonder of seeing them walk and their sense of achievement and their sense of wonder when they pick up a leaf and they begin to look at things for the first time. And, and we miss the opportunity to, to influence their lives as they're struggling with things in their life and they miss the opportunity to grow closer to them when they scrape their knee because all those things take time and it takes quality time. But we miss it. If I hadn't that one Sunday afternoon when I had a terrible headache and had a lot to do and a lot of burdens to carry, if I hadn't just put a hold on things and gone to this gymnastics meet where my, sister, where my daughter was, was doing gymnastics, I never would have seen her for the first time do a, do a back walk over the way she did it. And then the crowd goes crazy and she smiles, big smile, she, catch her, she catches me out of the corner of her eye. That's frozen there, a memory. And I would have lost and she would have lost if I hadn't done that. Or several months ago, I had a sermon to do. A lot of my mind had to get this sermon done, running way behind. Nathan wants to go on an adventure. He wants to go out looking for frogs. And part of me said, and the, 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 the part that doesn't judge things wisely thought, okay, I got to do the sermon. Sorry, son, not today. I got a lot to do. Uh, you know, we'll get together then. But another part of me said, he needs some time. He was hungry for it. You can see, kids are hungry for it. If you just look close, they're hungry. Look at me, look at me. So we went out on an adventure, looking for frogs, and he fell into a mud hole. We were looking on this <laughs> mud hole. And at first I thought, well, you know, okay, here it is. Now I can go back and do my sermon, because I told him not to get close to that mud hole, and he's got new shoes, and now he's all muddy, so we're going to go home, and I'll teach him a lesson, and then I'll do my sermon. But another, another part of me said, what the heck? What the heck? So we took off our shoes and jumped in the mud hole. And we went looking for these little mud frogs, found a ton of them. And, and the mosquitoes were biting us constantly, but it didn't seem to bother him at all. And, and, it, and we, found, we found these, these little sticks that became guns and swords. We fought off dragons and killed dinosaurs and worried about the pterodactyls and found frogs. And it was a, it was a memory, and we still talk about that memory. A spot of time came home, just pure mud. But we, I would have missed the whole thing, and he would have missed the whole thing if, if, the, if the sermon had taken the priority over the kid. You can put things off till tomorrow and the next day and someday and when, when we get this done and when the house gets paid off and when this and that and the other thing and by that time you get around to it, the kids come home from college and at that point all he wants is the car keys. You got one shot there. And they lose. The kids lose. Because inside of their heart and inside the heart of our spouses and inside the heart of the friends, there's a crying voice and we still have it here, every one of us here this morning. What am I worth? It's the most fundamental question in our life. What are we worth? And the only way that's ever answered is by time. By people saying, you're worth this to me, here's a slice of my life. By time. There's no other way we find it out. The saddest thing in the world is for someone to grow up 
with a voice, a little kid voice that says, look at me, look at me, look what I can do, look what I can do. And there's no one there to look. Or no one there consistently to look. The message the kid gets is, I'm not worth being around. I just talked to a man, not about this sermon, it was in a totally different context, but on, on Wednesday, and he said, you know, my main memory of my mother, my father was never there, but my main memory of my mother was the pastor's wife, is that she's on the phone praying with people, and I don't have anyone to play with. And I kept saying, Mom, Mom, and she'd say, don't interrupt me. I'm doing God's work. Don't interrupt me. This is important stuff. This is prayer stuff. Little kids always just thinks of Mom talking on the phone. And I don't think there's anything sadder than that. The thing that impresses me most about the ministry of Jesus is that he always had time. He always had time. Here's the man, a man who... who uh, um, who's got three years to save the world. Three years. To revolutionize the world, to change the whole thing, he's got three years. You talk about carrying the burdens of the world on you. He was literally doing it. And he was a man just like we were. He was a full human being. He felt that burden right there. If ever, if ever anyone had, had, a, had a good excuse to say, I can't, not today, I'm too busy, I got a lot of things on my mind, it would be the Lord. And yet we find that he had time to take out, carve out for unimportant people for unimportant matters. He had time for the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He had time to sit down with her and to talk about her and, and, and begin to wedge his way into her life to begin to help her and, and change her life. And he had time for Zacchaeus, that, 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 that sinner who was too short to see Jesus and he climbed the tree and Jesus stops and talks with him from a tree and they end up going over to his house. Jesus had time for people like that. Or, or the blind guys on, on the roadside when Jesus is going into Jerusalem. You know, he's, he's surrounded by a crowd of people, and, and uh, um, people are all, you know, hailing him as the Messiah and the King and all these other things. This is an important person. This is a person who matters. He's, time is of the essence when you're talking to important people. But here are a couple blind guys who are hollering out, have mercy on us. And the crowd says, shut up, just be quiet. They try to silence him, the Bible says. But the guy, he doesn't have time for you. This is the Savior of the world. But Jesus stops, and he's got time for them. He's got time. I got time. The world, the saving of the world can wait. Jesus had time for children. They brought little kids to them, Matthew 18 says. And the disciples said, no, no, wait, wait, you know, Jesus, we're talking Savior here, we're talking adult stuff, we're talking heaven, hell, kingdom building, spiritual warfare, we're talking about very important matters, souls, millions of souls hang upon this man's shoulders. He doesn't have time for little kids with their little trinkets and their little Nintendos and, 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 and Ninja Turtles or whatever else that they want to talk about. But Jesus said, no, you guys have your priorities all wrong. You got it all wrong. Bring the kids here. This is the stuff the kingdom of God is made out of. Jesus had time to set the kids on his knee. And I don't know what he talked about, but I bet it was about things like Ninja Turtles and Barbie dolls and new dresses and eighth grade spats and conflicts and worries and concerns. Because that's the world of a little kid. And Jesus wants to get into the world of a little kid. If the Son of God who carried the weight of the whole world on his shoulder had time for the little children, and even that wasn't too important, wasn't more important than these little kids, how much more us, with our CEO pressure and the other job pressures that we have. There's a time for everything in life. We can't feel guilty about the time we spend working and the time we spend with chores and the time we spend in other things. There's a time for everything, but there's got to be a time for them. There's got to be a time for them. The most important time is the time for them. 
the time to be around each other, the time to express their worth by the time we spend with them. That's exactly what the Lord did. But maybe even more importantly is this. We can see something of our worth to the Lord when we, when we see the way he spends time with people because the Lord still has time for people. And maybe that you're here this morning and you don't feel like anyone's ever had time for you. Maybe that you're here this morning and mom was always on the phone talking, doing ministry stuff, and dad was always, there's always planes to catch and bills to play, and when you wanted to play catch with somebody, no one was there. And when you think about, when you think about it, you're always, you're always running around in a field by yourself as a little kid, and there never seemed to be any grown-ups there who had the time for you. And maybe now, right now, you just don't feel, you feel alone. You feel like there's nobody who can take the time to get on the inside and know your thoughts and know your feelings and know your concerns, and you feel very, very much alone. A lot of acquaintances, but no friends. No one that really has the time for you. And what you need to know, and what I need to know, is that the Lord has the time. The Lord takes time, because you are of infinite worth to Him. He's got time for you. And maybe your concern is Ninja Turtles and Barbie dolls, but that's fine. He's got time for Ninja Turtles and Barbie dolls and the other little frustrations of our life. What we need to see is the Lord do to us maybe what no one else has ever done to us and spend the afternoon sitting on his lap and let, him, let that communicate something about who you are before him. It ties into the communion that we're going to take now. The Bible says that the Lord always had time to sit down with sinners. In the first century Jewish culture... Eating supper with somebody was, a, was the most intimate form of fellowship that you could have with them. It usually took about two to three hours. They really, they took time doing this. It was a, it was a ritual. You spend time with your friends at the supper table. Jesus, and this was a scandal, he had time for the sinners, for the prostitutes, for the tax collectors, for the zealots. He had time for these ungodly, the refuse, the lepers, those who no one else had time for, and he sat down with. And that when we do communion this morning, it's no different. Jesus has time for us, and we're a bunch of sinners. We are a bunch of sinners. But that doesn't push Jesus away. He draws close to us. It always amazes me also at the Last Supper that here Jesus is. Follow me on this. In several hours, he's going to go to Gethsemane and sweat drops of blood. In several hours, he's going to begin the process of crucifixion. He knows this. In several hours, he's going to be whipped, and he's going to be scourged. He's going to be crowned with thorns. He's going to be spit on. In several hours, the sin of the world and the damnation of the world is going to be poured on him. He's going to feel alienation from the Father, and he's going to experience hell. He knows all this in several hours, and yet Jesus at that point had time for his disciples. Let's eat together. Let's, let's spend time with one another. Can you believe that? I would have been so scattered and so worried. I wouldn't have been able to focus on anything. In fact, John tells us 13 that Jesus had time to serve them. He washed their feet before he had the Last Supper. And that says a great deal about how valued they were to Jesus. He took the time, the last time he had, the little remaining time he had, he spent it with his disciples. And he used it, he used it to communicate something profound about the meaning of his death, about his body and about his blood. And that's what we're going to do here this morning. It's thinking about the time that Jesus has for us. Even if it's the last two hours of his life, he's got it for you. And he's got it for you and he's got it for me. One of the things that ministers to me most is time in prayer where I just let Jesus look at me, 
Sometimes we think in prayer that we've got to talk all the time. And so we only pray a little bit and we run out of things to say. But the most profound kind of prayer is prayer that's just spent being with Jesus, rubbing off on one another. Let him be there. He's got time for you. Sometimes I, with the Lord, just, I, I sometimes even just picture myself as a little kid. And I'm running through this field all by myself. Because it seemed like I was always playing by myself. And I don't know why that was. But I just let the Lord look at me. I, I, I see him looking at me and loving me and saying, what a creative kid. What energy he had. And, and, and just, just loving that little kid. And that heals me. That, that's so healing because it shows he's got time for me. Maybe other people didn't have much time for me. But Jesus has time. He's got time for me now. And that's what fuels my life and tells me that I'm worthwhile before him. And that's what I need to know more than anything else. This Last Supper, this time of communion here, that's what we're going to do. Let Jesus have time for us and we give him our time. I want to invite you all, we're going we're gonna, to uh, take the bread together and then we're going to take the cup together. And I want to invite you all, if you're a believer here this morning, feel free to participate in communion with us. You may be here for the first time. Maybe you don't really understand what we're about. Maybe this doesn't even seem like much of church to you. Where's the organ? Where's the robe? You know, it doesn't feel like church. That's okay. If you know who Jesus is, I encourage you to, to feel free to take communion with us. Jesus didn't give any theology quizzes at the Last Supper. He just said, here, take and eat. And maybe that you don't feel like taking communion here this morning, and that's okay, too. Maybe, you're, maybe you don't know the Lord personally. And I want you to feel okay just relaxing and, and, not, and passing the plate by. That's fine. But just use this as a time as we sing and as we, we minister to the Lord. Let him minister to you and see his love, see his beauty. Let his face shine upon you to communicate something about what he thinks about you. I just want you to come forward and let's pray. Father, I pray that your spirit would have control here as we take communion together, Lord. There are walls in our hearts that sometimes keep you out and keep us from seeing who you are and therefore keep us from seeing who we are. Lord, use these emblems, this simple bread and this simple cup to break through that, Lord God, and minister to your people here this morning, we pray. Amen. ever loved me like Jesus loves me. No one's ever loved you like Jesus loves you. He gave of himself, and not just a little bit, not just a little time, but all of himself, the very last time. You need, you need forgiveness, I got time for forgiveness. You need mercy, I got time for mercy, and he shed his blood. What else could he do to prove to us what he thinks about us, and yet it's still so hard to get through sometimes. Drink the cup of the Lord together. Can we stand and, and close with this song that I love so much? Oh Lord, you're beautiful. And as we sing this, I want to open this invitation. If you're here this morning and you have a need in your heart, I, you maybe have a busy schedule, but God's got time. And I'd encourage you to come forward and have some quality time with the Lord.